let me give you a set of directions and see with, with this information, if you think you can get where you're going. Go to the snack attack. It, it will be on your left. At, th there's a stoplight there, or stop sign, excuse me, stop sign there. On your right is a Sonic, and the, there should be a big sign that says Highway 43. Turn left there. How many of you, th of you think you could, uh, could get where you, I need to go if I t gave you that? Probably not many because you have no idea where. Do I just drive around until I see a snack attack? Do you know where that is, Rita? I thought you might. Okay. But if I, if I could get you on the right road, if I, if I could get you just outside Webb City, Missouri, on, and I, I don't know the name of the highway, but on that highway, and then I gave you those directions, I bet you could follow those. My son Joel could not. My son Joel, if you guys were kind of snickering, my son Joel, uh, he was in college before he could drive on the belt. He would go to St. Joe. If he went to the mall, he would take the parkway because he had learned that way, and that's the only way he knew how to get from, from Rushville all the way up there. So he's terrible at directions. So, but I gave him those directions one day. He was going to Joplin. I think he was a senior in high school going to basketball camp. He was driving down to Joplin on his own. And so I, I gave him specific instructions and, and that was what, what was included. The last turn, turn left on 43 Highway, snack attack, sonic, stop sign or stoplight, turn left, and then you go right to the college. There's no way you can mess up. Well, Joel got into Webb City, and, and he saw a take, take a break on the left-hand side. Uh, and he turned left. And uh, he ended up calling me from the city park in Webb City and said, Dad, I, I, I thought I took the right turn, uh, uh, but, but I'm lost. How, how, do I, how do I get there? I said, well, did you turn at the snack attack? No, I turned at the take a break. I said, uh, was there a Sonic on the right? No, there was a pharmacy. I said, what, what, was it Highway 43? I said, no, and he gave me whatever street he was on. I said, Joe, get back on the road and go to the snack attack with the Sonic on the right, Highway 40. He did that and went right where he was, he was going. This morning, we're going to look at a, a, a story that for, for a couple of the, the followers of Jesus amounted to them following directions. Jesus gave some directions, and, and there was really good news for them. The, the good news was that they saw a man carrying a jar of water. And when they saw that man, they knew they were in the, the right place. They knew where they were exactly where they were supposed to be. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, uh, to Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at a few verses there in, uh, in Mark, starting with verse, uh, verse 12. And, and we're going to see this story where Jesus gave some directions to his followers. And then we're going to make some applications uh, for our life. So if you're, if you're with me there in Mark chapter 14, uh, starting with verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now let me throw this out there just, just kind of for some explanation. This is Thursday of Passion Week. This is Thursday of the last week of Jesus' life. Later that evening, he's going to be arrested and the trial process will will start, and we, we know where that ends up with the, the crucifixion. But, but the passage says that, that 
that it was on the, the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Now, technically that's not correct. Not that, not that the gospel is wrong here. Uh, but technically the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread started the day after Passover. Uh, it was a, a seven-day-long feast where they commemorated the fact that the Israelites had to flee from Egypt and they had to, they had to leave so quickly that they didn't have time to put the yeast in their bread. If you want to look that up, go to Exodus chapter 12 and the specific verses, uh, chapter 12, verse 34, where it tells, tells us that. But oftentimes they would lump the Passover feast, the Passover meal, which is that one-day celebration, they would lump that all together and say the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, so it would include both Passover and that seven-day feast. So that's, that's what he says here. So it's Thursday morning. The Passover meal is going to start that night, Thursday night after sundown. So technically, the way they saw things, it was actually going to be Friday, because at sundown, Thursday night, it became Friday for them, and that's when they were going to, going to celebrate it. Uh, uh, now, now, if you have your Bibles open to Mark chapter 14, just it, as I kind of set this up, just glance through your Bibles in chapter 14. If your Bible's like mine, if you've got a newer version, it's going to have some headings for different sections of the Scripture there. So just glance at those real quick, and I'm going to ask you, uh, I, I'm going to make, make a comment here. If last week, I didn't do this, but if last week I had handed out a piece of paper and I told you, gave you an assignment to read Mark chapter 14. Hey, go home and read Mark chapter 14 and write down the most important thing that happens in chapter 14. We, we would have got back this week, because if we handed out 100 of those slips last week, we would have got back this week uh, slips of paper that had, had a number of different things. So if you glance at your, at your Bible, sir, chapter 14, what are some things that happen in Mark 14? Just, just someone shout out a couple of them. What happened in Mark chapter 14? Lord's Supper. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He took this, my body, this, my uh, uh, broken, this is the, the, the blood of the covenant, my, my blood, drink it, remember me. Uh, what else? Jesus was arrested. Someone else? Okay. Uh, Peter denied Jesus earlier on, and then we see with the arrest that, uh, uh, that Judas uh, also uh, uh, followed through with what Jesus said he would do and, and betrayed uh, Jesus. Anything else? My, my guess is if I'd had you turn those back in, I bet 65% of the people here would have said Jesus was arrested. I, 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 that probably is the pivotal thing that happened. Maybe if it wasn't quite 65, a close second, though, would have been the Lord's Supper. You would have saw that and said, wow, that's an important thing. We, we celebrate that every week, and that's an important part. So some of you would have said that. Maybe, maybe some of you would have said the agony in the garden, because that happened in Mark chapter 14, where he went to the garden and he, and he prayed, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe some of you might have even thrown in, well, at the start of the chapter, there's a woman that came and, uh, and anointed him with, uh, with perfume. That, that's not real big. But my guess is there's not a single one of you there's not a single one of us, including myself. Okay, no, I would have put that there since I knew I was preaching on this. I would have put that. But I doubt any of the rest of you would have chosen this story where Jesus said, hey, go into town and you're going to find a guy carrying a jar of water and follow him to a house and, and ask if, he can, if we can use his house and, and make ready for the, the preparation." 
If I could preach just one sermon from Mark 14, it wouldn't be this passage. Or would it? This, this little section, well, in fact, I didn't finish the text. Let me go ahead and finish the, that, that reading there. They asked, where, where do you want us to uh, go and make the, to eat the Passover? Uh, verse 13, so he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the, the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, make preparations for us there. The disciples left, and we know that it was Peter and John that did it from Luke, uh, tells us that, went into the city and found things, but uh, just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared, so they prepared uh, the, the Passover. This, this little story is not just a transition. It's, it's not thrown in there just so we can go from from kind of ending Jesus' ministry, ending his, his Passion Week, ending his time in Jerusalem teaching, and transition to the Last Supper, the, the, the arrest. the cru- It's not just there because we've got to transition to, be, between two big parts of Jesus' life. It's not there so that we can transition to the crescendo, which is the Lord's Supper and the arrest. It's, it's there for a reason. In fact, Three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three include this story. And I think they do because there's good news for us as well. Not just for, for, Matt, or for, uh, for Peter and John, but there's also good for, news for us. There's a man carrying a jar. Let me, uh, let me explain. This is a powerful text that I think is there because it teaches, uh, it taught these disciples something, but it also teaches us. Let's... Let's watch uh, as this passage unfolds uh, kind of in three different ways. Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing we catch. It, it's pretty obvious here that Jesus sent. Uh, there, there in verse 12, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent. This story starts off with Jesus sending. I want you to catch this. One of the aspects of Jesus' relationship with us, now, now let me expand that just a second. One of the aspects of Jesus' relationship with us, now, now I want you to catch how I phrased that. I didn't say our relationship with Jesus. Do you realize that most of the times when we talk, that's what we say? We say our relationship with Jesus but, but what we see here is an aspect, aspect of Jesus' relationship with us. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. We talked about this when we did our series in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 1 says this, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. And the next verse goes ahead and talks about us being adopted. Do you realize that, that Jesus chose us? So, so in other words... And it's a subtle thing, but I think it's also huge that Jesus has a relationship with us. He chooses us to have relationship with him. It's not just us choosing him, but he chooses us. One of those aspects is that he sends us. Now, our relationship with him has many facets. 
uh, because we have a relationship with Him, because He chooses us, He forgives us, He, He loves us, He gives us hope, He's our friend, He encourages us, He leads us, He gives us direction, but He also sends us. And notice how this section about being sent starts with a question. Where do you want us to go and make preparations for the meal? Uh, the question was this. Where do we go have the Passover, Jesus? Now, now I want to point out here that, that there's kind of an indictment here. Catch this, just just hours before they were to celebrate the most important meal, the most important festival, the most important feast, the most important celebration of their religious calendar. This was the most important time for, for them. Hours before they were to celebrate this most important time, they're asking, hey, where do we go? What do we need to do here? Ladies, it would be like this. Moms and grandmas, it would be like this. You come home from Christmas Eve service, and when you get home, you begin to talk among one another. Where are we going to do Christmas dinner? What are we going to have for Christmas dinner? Would, would that happen? I don't, I don't think so. How, how about Wednesday night before Thanksgiving? You, you send out a group text. Mom, you send out a group text to all your kids. Um, Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow, exclamation point. Ideas? Question, question, mark, question, mark. I don't think that would happen. And yet, that's kind of what's going on here. The Passover is just hours away, and, and they ask Jesus, well, where are we going to eat this? Uh, the reality is, Jesus had more important things to be doing than worrying about a meal. That really fell on the, on the shoulders of the disciples. So, so there is a little bit of an indictment there. They should have been thinking about that long ahead. Uh, Judas was the treasurer. He's one that kept the money. So it probably fell on him to make plans like that. The, the reality we know here that Jesus, Judas was making other preparations during this, these hours and not uh, preparing for, for that meal. So, so there's a little bit of indictment, but, but I also want you to catch this. There was, a, there was also interest on their part. Uh, it, it's easy, and I, I'm guilty of this as, as much as anyone, it's easy to beat up the disciples for their mistakes. Oh, it's easy to jump on Peter's back because, man, he blew it so many times. Man, he, he would just blow off and, and, and say something without thinking, or they, they would do something and just, or, or they had all this evidence and then they just wouldn't believe. It's so easy to beat up on the disciples. But I want you to catch this. Notice what they say, that the second half of verse 12. Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? I think it's kind of cool that, that it's the morning of the Passover and disciples are plugged in. Jesus, this is an important time. Where do you want us to go? How do you want this to look? Now, now let me speak kind of individually to you. Do you, do you recognize, do you, do you see, do you understand, are you able to are you able to pinpoint the times when Jesus is sending you? Are, are you able to find those times and identify those times when, when Jesus is saying to you, I want you to go? One, one, of, the, one of the cool things here, and the, and the reality is when we don't realize that, it's probably because 
we don't make ourselves available. And that's what they were doing. They were making themselves available. They said, Jesus, the Passover's coming. What do you want us to do? They, they opened up for that question, what do you want us to do? And not just that, notice what it says. Where can we go and make the Passover preparations? And notice what it says for you. It wasn't just, hey, we've got to do this Passover meal. They were thinking about Jesus. Jesus, we need to do this meal. Where can we make it happen for you? Jesus, Jesus sends us. This started with a question, but there was a commission. The commission was simply this. So he sent. So he sent. The reality is God has work for us to do. God has, has commissioned us to be his representative and his ambassador. God has opportunities for you. There's chances that Jesus wants you to be his witness and his example, to be his light and to be his salt, and he's going to send you, but you have to be available. He's commissioned you to do that. A few weeks ago, uh, about, about two weeks ago, I was in Walmart parking lot. I, I pulled into the parking lot, and I'd, I'd just been to St. Joe to, to go to Harbor Freight. I'd, I'd picked up a couple, uh, a couple uh, uh, tarps that we're going to, or canopies that we're going to use on the mission trip from a guy that, that manages the Harbor Freight there. And I had them in the back of my pickup. So when I pulled in the Walmart parking lot, my first thought was, is it safe to leave them laying in the back of my truck? And I could have taken them out and put them inside, but I asked, oh, that's too much work. So as I pulled in, I'm thinking, well, they'll be okay. But, but as I pulled in, I pulled up to a parking spot that I thought was the perfect parking spot because it was right by one of the cart corrals. And so I thought, well, if I'm parked by that cart corral, that means no one's going to be parked beside me to look into my truck. The reality is you have to really look in to see them. So, so on one side, I'm protected. Now, I don't always think things through real clearly because I told this story to Reed, and she said, yeah, but that means everyone, when they were bringing their cart back, was right there by your truck. So... Uh, so don't trust me on things like that. But, but, but I get out of my car, I get out of my truck, and I, I, I don't know why I locked it because what I really wanted was in the back, but I, I locked it and I started to walk. And as I would pulled up, there's a couple guys that walked out and I saw them getting a, this old junkie car on the other side uh, of the lane. And as I'm walking out of my truck, I hear the guy turn his key. And his car does... And I keep walking and then I... I, I hear him turn his key again. Why do we do that when we know our battery's dead, but we keep doing it? Like we think God's going to perform a miracle and suddenly give life to our batteries. But he did about three times, and I, I'd got past the car by this point, and I stopped. And, and I do want you to know this story's not really about me. I stopped, because I, I have a pair of jumper cables in my car. I always carry them. So I, I went headed back to my truck and unlocked it, and then I went over, I went over to their car, and I... Uh, I went up to the window. The kid was still sitting there trying to start it, thinking something's going to happen. And, and I said, hey, hey, dude, do you need a jump? <laughs> kind of obvious, but uh, do you need me to jump you? I have some jumper cables. And about that time, I think it finally hit him that his car was dead. He said, oh, yeah. And, and right as that happened, a guy pulled in. Just cat, you know, He's pulled in here. The guy pulled in uh, you know, uh, front to front right across from him. And as that guy jumped out of his car, I hollered at him, hey, man, can, can we use your car to jump his car? And the guy, I swear, he stopped and just kind of, and I said, I've got jumper cables. And I pointed over to my truck. I've got cables. Can, can, 
can we use your car to jump his car? And he walked a couple steps away. I said, man, can, can, I, can, I, can you pop the hood of your car so I can, I've got my cables right over here so I can start his car, jump his car. His battery's dead. And at this point, the kid's kind of standing there like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And, and, and the guy just stopped and looked at me again, just kind of dumb. And I just kind of said it like, aren't, aren't you willing? And he's like, actually, I'd rather not. And I think I should have thought this, but I think I said it out loud. R- r- really? <laughs> I mean, r- really? And the, but the guy was very, very, very gracious. He said, I'll move my car so that you can pull yours over here. I went, whoa, man, you know, can, can I pay you for that, dude? And so he did. He moved his car. Of course, I'm thinking, man, this perfect parking spot now is gone. Oh, those are going to get stolen, I know. But I, I trust the Lord with it, and I pulled over. And I, I jumped his car. <laughs> the poor guys, their battery, you know, corrosion about that high on each of the terminals. And I'm like, you guys might want to get that battery changed. But, but it started, and away they went. I headed in Walmart, and as I did, I was thinking, I wonder if they noticed what I noticed. I, I, I don't think they did, because they, they were just... They, they were a couple of young kids, and they, I don't think they were paying much attention to things. But, but I thought, did, did they see what I saw? I noticed it immediately when the guy got out of his car. He jumped out of his car. He had some dress slacks on and a, and, a, and a nice shirt. And on the outside of his shirt, hanging on the outside, he had a big old wooden cross. Now, I, I've seen that before, and I... I, I I checked later, went around and looked at the back of his car, and there was a clergy sticker on the back of his car, so I, I'm pretty sure that's what he was. But I was thinking, dude. Now, I, I didn't wit- I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't witness these guys. I didn't lead them to the Lord there in the Walmart parking lot. I jumped their car and put my cables up and went in. But this guy had a chance, without saying a word. Had, had he said, it's great, sure, I'd love to, guys, can I help you? Let me pop my hood. And, and, as, and, and, and if he stood there without saying a word with that big old wooden cross dangling around his neck, he, now maybe they wouldn't have noticed, but I think he would have at least been saying, because when you wear a big old wooden necklace, cross necklace around your neck, you know what it is? It's saying, look at me, I'm a Christian. Look at me, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer. And I mean, that's what I noticed immediately. I'm a believer. No, I don't think I'd be uncomfortable jumping your car. I'll move mine so you can do it, though. Uh, there, there was a commission. Jesus, uh, they, they opened up. They were available, and Jesus uh, sent them um, to do the job. Jesus sent, and then the disciples, disciples went. Jesus sent, and then the disciples went. Um, lest, you, l- lest you pat me on the back, and, and like I said, that's the moral of that story had nothing to do with what I did. I just jumped a guy. But, but, but lest, you, lest you think that, let me, let me tell a story on me. See, he sends us, but we have to go. They made their stuff available. Hey, we need to do the, we need to we need to prepare the meal. So Jesus, okay, you guys go. There's going to be a guy carrying a jar of water. You're going to follow him, but we have 
when Jesus sends us, we have to go. Yesterday morning, um, I, I, I took a walk, and it, it, this is this is the truth. As I was walking, I was praying, praying for some of you all, in a good way. I'm just like, boy, Lord, you got to help. No, uh, I was I was praying, and you know, one of the prayers I prayed was, Lord, use me today. It's a simple prayer that I, that I often pray. Lord, give me an opportunity to just be a blessing to someone. I, I'm not talking anything big. I'm just, Lord, just give me an opportunity to, to make someone's day or encourage someone or say something nice or hold a door. For, just, Lord, just give me an opportunity. Last night, uh, uh, did any of you see my wife and I at the Royals game last night on TV? Patty, you're the only one. We were on TV last night. We went to the Royals game with some friends and and they, they videoed a couple kids sailing, you know, let's go, or, uh, let's go defense. And, uh, and uh, we were sitting right behind them. And so for a flash, John missed us, but the Patty caught us. We, we were on TV. Uh, and another friend of ours saw it and sent us the picture of it. Uh, so, so we're at the Royals game last night, and there, there is two couples sitting in front of us. And we sat there through the three-and-a-half-hour game watching them get progressively uh, uh, drunker and drunker, drinking beer after beer. And they were fun. They, they were nice, and they were having a good time. And they started interacting with those little kids that were yelling at They started interacting with them. And, and, uh, but, boy, they were just drinking one beer after another. And, I mean, and they were just getting and, – and one guy just – I mean, he would sit there, and then he would sit down below, and then he'd get up and leave, and then he'd come. And he ended up sitting beside me at one point, and they were in the rows in front of us. But he sat by me for a while. We were high-fived and fist-bumping. I mean – well, we did in the first inning, then there was a long gap before we did it again. But, uh, but, but we were interacting, with, but the guy just kept getting drunker and drunker. And late in the game, I don't know, seventh, eighth inning, he's sitting right beside me. And these kids, it's about that moment where they're yelling. And he made some comment, wow, it's cool to watch these kids, you know, being Royals fans. And then all of a sudden, his mood changed. I don't know, do you remember this? He looked at me. He looked at me and said, my dad never took me to a baseball game. I mean, his, his jovial drunk changed to sad drunk. I don't know where that came from. And, and, and you know what I said? Oh, really? It, it, I didn't even realize it until I was on the way home that I prayed for an opportunity and God gave me one. And I said, oh, really? Oh, really? Now, I, I wasn't going to go into a deep, deep theological discussion with this dude, but, but man, I could have asked him about that. I, I could have said, I could have encouraged him. Because he, he had a couple kids, because I heard him talking about their kids. I could encourage him, hey, you, you don't be that dad. You, I, there's so many things I could have done. Lord, give me an opportunity. Send me, Lord. And he says, okay, I will. Maybe not what you thought it was going to be. It's going to be with the... And, and here's the honest truth. I, I just started getting annoyed with the drunks. I, and I'm always uncomfortable around drunk people. Um, so if you guys get drunk, don't get around me because I just get, I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> about that. But I was uncomfortable. And I'll be honest, I was getting really annoyed at those kids screaming. I just... Because they weren't even watching the game. Let's go defense. And they weren't even... I'm, I'm like, there's the games out there, guys, watch the game. And I was so involved in my frustration with that that I, I missed the door that God gave me. I said, Lord, send me. But see, 
he sends us, but we have to go. That's what happened here. He, he, he sent them, but they went. And th- there's, there's always a question. There, the, there's a question. And I think there was one here. Um, I, I think one of the questions was, was are, are we gonna, how are we going to know? As they walked into the city, Jesus said, you're going to see a guy carrying a jar of water. Now follow him. And they had to be questioned as they walked the 15 or 20 minutes from Bethany to Jerusalem. They had to be thinking, are we going to see that guy? What if we see two guys with jars of water? What if, we, what if we see a guy carrying a cup of water? Does that count? What if we see a lady carrying a jar of water, but she looks like a guy? What, what, do, we, what do we do? Now, I, here's what I think happened. Now, now the truth is, it, it was probably rare to see a guy carrying a jar of water because that was this is biblical. I'm not saying this guy. That was ladies' work. The ladies, literally, the ladies are the ones that carry the water. So, so those you go into Mexico with us, that's one of the big things. We have to go get water in these five-gallon jugs just like this. Um, and if you want to put some coins in to the last day, please do that. And, and so in Mexico, we get the Rita, Dana, I think I'm going to have you guys carry the water because that's woman's work. No? Okay. No. Okay. But, but Jesus said it was. So it probably was odd to see a guy carrying a jar of water. So maybe it really stood out that way. I don't know, but I think there was, as they, as they walked into the city and they were full of questions, are we going to see a guy or not, I think there was confirmation. And I think, I believe as soon as they walked through the gate, that guy was there with that jar of water. And I think it wasn't a little one, I think it was a big old jar of water. And I, I think he probably actually looked at the guys and kind of nodded his head like, yep, it's me. There was confirmation. When Jesus sends us and we go, he gives us confirmation that we're right where he wants us to be. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take just a little break from the sermon. We're, we've got a group from, uh, from here at Troy that are, that are going to Mexico, leaving on Saturday morning to do, to do some work. So, so those of you that are here that are going on a trip, would you come up just real quick? Um, come up front and stand. Craig, I've asked Craig if Johnson if he would come up and just say a, a quick prayer over our group. We have uh, three or four people that are going on the trip that aren't here this morning. So we're missing those. But the reality is, and I'm going I'm to preach to them for just a second, guys. I think sometime this week, God is going to give you confirmation. You, you've been thinking, like, you know, but, but especially when you get down to that last week, you're thinking, why did I say I would go? You think of all the stuff you could be doing and all the stuff that... Boy, that's going to be, it's going to be hot and it's going to be dirty and I don't speak Spanish and all this stuff. Uh, I, I really believe that God's going to give confirmation some, and sometime this week. And when that happens, just let me know. Kind of pat me on the back. Hey, this was the moment when, when I know God said, yep, I'm right where I wanted you to be. I think God's going to confirm that for you. Craig, would you just pray for this group? Amen. Thank you. The reality is when God sends us when jesus says go and we go he will give us confirmation and and one last thing verse uh, uh verse 16 the disciples left went into the city found things just like jesus had told them the guy carrying the water they went to the house they said hey we're master said we're supposed to have passover here and he said here's the upper room so they prepared the passover Jesus sent, they went, and then they prepared. 
it came with questions. I, I think one of the questions they had was, it's only human nature, it's the way I would see it, it's the way I would respond, and I'm sure they did. One of the questions they had to ask as they were getting the meal ready, as they were scouring Jerusalem looking for a lamb, uh, looking for uh, the hyssop, looking for, uh, for the bitter herbs, looking for the unleavened bread, looking for the wine, as they were trying to get all this stuff together and get everything ready, they had to be asking themselves, where are the other ten? Why, why is it just, Peter, why is it just you and I doing this? Why, where are the other ten? The, the reality is sometimes we find ourselves doing what God asks, and, and, and instead of just doing it because he commissioned us, we look around and say, well, where's everyone else? There should be more people here helping. Why am I, why am I the only one, or why are we the only two or three or four? You know, it doesn't make a difference. If Jesus calls you, just go. He'll work out all those details later. So that had to be one of the questions. Where are the other ten? And, and I, I tend to think one of the other questions that they must have asked was, did this really make a difference? We spent all day doing all this stuff just for a meal. And yet, you guys pointed it out as, we, as you looked in Mark. We know what happened at that meal. We know that that was their last meal together before the crucifixion. They ate after the resurrection, but that was their last meal together. That was what's called the Last Supper. That, that was when Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. That was the preparatory, preparatory time for Jesus to go to the cross. The, the, the reality, what might have seemed like just an insignificant thing, was important. Sometimes God sends us, and we say, okay, and it may not seem like a big deal, but if we're doing what he asks us to do, it is. Let me close, close with this. Uh, Craig Grishel is a pastor at Life Church in, uh, in the Oklahoma City area. Uh, he, he told this story. He said he uh, uh, went into a convenience store and, and, and kind of went in the same convenience store several times a week. And, and, and oftentimes it was the same lady, same girl that worked behind the uh, the, the counter said she was great. She was really good at customer service, very bubbly, very friendly. And, and so he enjoyed having her and, and just kind of just battering back and forth with her a little bit. He said one day he's standing in line at the convenience store. There's one guy in front of him, and, and the lady begins to talk about preachers. And, and he said, I have no idea where it came from, but she made the comment that said, I hate pastors. Man, I, so he had no idea what what her story was, what had happened to her, but I hate, and she began to tell the guy in front of him that, that and he, you know, he bantered back out, yeah, you know, I do too, and, and that guy paid for stuff and left, and he stepped up, of course, he's a pastor of a large church, and has several campuses, and he steps up, and she looked at him and said, what about you, do you like pastors? Rochelle said, well, you know, I've never really thought about it too much. And then he looked at her and said, you know what, you look like you could use a hug. And so he walked around the counter and just gave her a hug and, and just said, hey, man, you, you are the best. I, I really enjoy coming. You are the, the, the friendliest uh, convenience store clerk and went back, paid for never didn't say about him what he did and left. He said it kind of became he and his wife's thing. When they went in that convenience store, they would always go around the counter and give this lady a hug and then get their stuff. He said one, it said it was months later, he walked in, he got up the counter and the lady said, hey, where's my hug? 
and I think I owe you an apology. <laughs> Somehow she had found out who he was and what he did for a living. Groeschel says it, it, it wasn't immediate, it didn't happen that trip, but, but over the course of, of several more months, over the course of several more visits to that convenience store, they began to talk, and then a couple times prayed with her, and then eventually had the opportunity to lead her to Christ. It, it, was, a simple, it was a simple sin. Hey, be nice to a convenience store lady. And it opened a door to make a difference. Why, why did the gospel writers throw this little story in there? Because I think it describes what the gospel is for us. He sends us, we go, we do what he's asked us to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the simple message of the gospel. We thank you, Father, for the simple, simple ways that we can make a difference and be a blessing. Lord, uh, I, I ask you to send me. Father, I ask you to send this church. I ask you to send these people. Uh, Father, give us opportunities. Whether they're, they're big and uh, monumentous, Father, or whether just small, simple opportunities. Father, where they, whether they fit into our comfort zone or they, they get us out of our box. Father, whether it's simple or it takes great faith, Lord, send us. Lord, help us to go and fulfill what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I would encourage you to be praying that simple prayer that I prayed yesterday. Lord, give me an opportunity. When you do that, you're going to blow it, just like I did last night. God's going to open you a door to a hurting heart, and you're going to blow it sometimes. God's going to say, I sent you, and you didn't go. But, but you know what? If we keep making ourselves available, if we keep saying, Lord, send me, he's going to give us those chances 